You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. End Zone Infraction. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Zone 32 podcast. My name is Jake, and I've got two people with me today. His name is Drew, and his name is Will. We got a lot to get into, but say what's up to the people. What up? What's going on? Oh. There you go. So anyway, draft night. Draft night, and there was no shortage of moves being made. Wide receivers getting traded from one team to another, including our own um, Marquise Brown. Who? Bye, you fucking midget. Yep. Fun fucking he's Arizona. gone. Just shit. Yep, he's traded off to the fucking con- the convalescent home to play with the other midget. That way, he's not the only the only player diminu- diminutive in size on that offense. So out goes Hollywood Brown or Marquise Brown, whatever the fuck. In comes Tyler Linderbaum at pick 25, and in comes Kyle Hamilton at pick 14. So I'm going to leave it to y'all. Drew, have at it. I love the Hamilton pick. Um, since early on in the draft process, that was a Jabo first and then a Jabo towards Achilles. So I kind of – I always wanted Hamilton. I did not think he was going to be there at 14. Um, you know, as – the combine and everything progressed. His stock seemed to drop for whatever reason because people put way too much stock in a fucking 40 time in the underwear Olympics. Um, I am fucking thrilled that Kyle Hamilton is here. Um, he's definitely the best safety that we've gotten in the draft since Ed Reed. I mean, that guy is just a playmaker and exactly what we need on the defense. And you pair him with Marcus Williams. You also get Chuck Clark out of the fucking secondary, too. Um, I tweeted that immediately after we drafted. Uh, it puts him into a better role. I mean, you know, he, he has he has a role that fits his skill set now where yeah. he's not he's not the guy that's going to be on the field all the time. So I think Chuck Clark is, is still has some value, but the fact that he doesn't have to be on the field Chuck all Clark the time. Is, you know, you give Chuck Clark the green dot and you make him play a split safety role. Like, he's yeah. just that guy. And, you know, so you get you get rid of him out of that role. He's not going to be on the field all the time. Um, I know McDonald likes to run that four two five with three safeties. And so maybe Chuck Clark becomes kind of your, like, hybrid linebacker safety guy. And, and we got Stevens. And, Steve, you know, Stevens yeah, is Stevens that, like, good. swing guy. Yeah, Swing slot corner, you know, split safety guy. Like, it, it, now Chuck Clark is not the guy that's calling your defense every play. You're not going to have the blown coverages that we've had. Again, I've long said Earl Thomas was right for punching Chuck Clark in the face. Um, so now, now that whole nonsense is gone. And I mean, great pick. Uh, people were less than happy about the Linderbaum pick. Um, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I, I think center is a little bit of an overrated position, but I also think that center caused a lot of problems for us with you know missed snaps and things like that. And I think Linderbaum- that's the big thing is that for the last we've had five centers in in four or five years. So. Having some continuity at center is huge. Where we know we have Linderbaum, if we want him for five years, at least for four years, and there's no reason to think that we're not going to have him for five years, and possibly beyond that, depending on what the center market is and what you know what we're willing to pay. But either way, five years of a guy at center at a position where there's a lot of turnover here, and, and there's and been a lot of issues there center. in key situations. I and I, I believe on this podcast several times I've said I don't believe. Makari is the answer at center. I don't believe in him at, as the answer at center. I like him more as a guy who can play every position where we need him to play it, as opposed to here's his role. He's the well, center. Now, I don't like that. You know, now think about it. If Ronnie Stanley is not 100% to start the year, you can now slot Morgan Moses over at left tackle. You can put Makari at right tackle. 
And is that the best offensive line we have? No, obviously Stanley should be healthy, but it, it doesn't hurt having that kind of flexibility. Again, we saw what happened last year when you had to put Alejandro Villanueva in the way of the fucking war criminal at left tackle. Like that was bad. And well, so, and the year before when yeah, and when, the year before when Stanley went down again, like you, you now have depth at a position that's been a problem for us. You never have to see Tyree Phillips again at, at any of the tackle positions. And right. I think that Linderbaum. Although is not like the sexy pick, not the splash pick. You know, it's the right pick. It's the guy. That's who the yeah. That's me. the reason we're seeing the backlash is because anytime you take an offensive lineman in the first round, there's going to be a small group of people who like it, and then there's a lot of people who are like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Because who, I mean, it was who knows who knows who an offensive lineman is? Nobody pays attention to that shit. You know, yeah. I mean, like casual fans don't care about offensive linemen. They just know whether they all they know is if they watch and. The defense is getting your quarterback. The offensive line sucks. If they're not, then your offensive line is good. That's all they know. So no one's going to be thrilled about a fucking center. No one knows who a center is. And, I mean, if you think about it, Lamar won a unanimous MVP because he had an elite offensive line. He was throwing the ball to fucking Seth Roberts and Willie Sneed. Like, Lamar is obviously capable of doing well with subpar weapons if you can block for him. So now we have. And I don't think we have subpar weapons anymore. So that's the thing. No, we are are significantly upgraded. Yeah. Yeah, we have significantly upgraded weapons, but again, you have significantly upgraded offensive line, and I think that's very important for, you know, just just the team in general. You know, running the ball and Lamar passing the ball, giving him time in the pocket, sure. and giving him clean snaps. Again, like that's that's a very underrated part of center position that we haven't had for years. Bozeman was a uh, you know left guard that we converted to a center last year, and he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't you know. Uh, a solid center. There was still some questionable snaps from him last year, you know, whether it was in the shotgun, he was snapping it high, low, you know, not perfectly where Lamar needed to catch it. I just think that Linderbaum, again, isn't the sexy pick, but he, he works and he fits the team and he fills a need. No matter what, I'll, when you pick a best the best player in any position, yeah, and it's a position of need, you've done well, especially in our situation where it was a pick that we got from a trade and we traded out of the the pick we got from the trade we traded back it still got the guy we wanted there's no re- that, like if we wanted him we thought he was going to go we would have taken him at 23 but we ended up getting more picks out of that Marquise Brown trade so Marquise Brown netted us a lot so we've upgraded in several ways just from trading Marquise Brown who we learned he's the one who wanted the trade yeah like so, I said he can go fuck himself um Right. I think I've been one of the loudest anti-Hollywood people or anti You've been the people. loudest as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean I, I've been I've pretty hit, loud myself, but you've you've been, I, you've been I've not leaving the bandwagon. Um, you know, again, day one coming in, whatever, I'll let it live. You and I had a long discussion today about the fucking, you know, personalized chain with the fucking, you know, picture of him, <laughs> you know, yeah. to draft day. Um, just since that point I've always thought he was a, you know, cocky midget that has not really earned his uh you know, earn the attitude he has, and then he continues to prove. Take back right everything way. I said in that conversation, by the way. No, you what? I take I take it all back. You you were right. No, I'm always right. I'm always on the right side of history. But um, no, I mean, like since day one, I've always thought that he's just this, you know, fucking arrogant little midget that thinks that he's better than he actually was. He never proved shit here. Um, you know, you go back to the soldier tweet. That was really where I fucking started hating the guy of. You know, what's the point of having soldiers if you don't use them? It's like, well, what's the point of throwing you the fucking ball if you're not going to catch it? And then you go to that offseason where he's, you know, out here flirting with Willie Sneed and Des Bryant's corpse who are talking shit about Greg Roman. And trust me, I trash Greg Roman more than any other human being alive. But again, like, 
it's not Greg Roman's fault that when you get thrown the ball, you drop the fucking ball. And then this year, you get the Detroit game, you get all the drops, and then you get the last eight games of the year. He had 77 targets, he had 325 yards and no touchdowns going down the stretch. And then he had the fucking audacity to get on his Instagram and celebrate a 1,000 yards receiving after getting bounced from the playoffs, you know, five minutes after the fact. Like, honestly, fuck that guy. And the fact that he had the balls to request a trade, like, he can honestly go fuck himself. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, shit going around on Twitter of Lamar tweeted out WTF right after we picked Linderbaum. And I honestly think that that had nothing to do with the Linderbaum pick and everything to do with the fact that Hollywood was in Arizona, apparently had the GM come pick him up in Vegas and drive him down there. And, you know, again, yeah, Lamar clearly knew that Hollywood was on his way out. He wasn't there at all in any of the off-season workouts. And, you know, again, I tweeted out the fake rumor of Hollywood was going to retire and go play video games. And I posted a bunch of screenshots of Lamar workouts without Hollywood being there. You know, kind of pointing out that that was weird. You know, Hollywood followed him around like that unwanted little brother for fucking years. And then all of a sudden he's MIA in the offseason. Like, Lamar clearly knew this was coming. This was well, not. Well, I think, yeah. And I think that Lamar's WTF tweet, if you look at his, I don't know, I don't know what's been deleted and what hasn't at this point. But what I do know is before I saw that, I saw that Hollywood tweeted uh, something to the effect of like, wish I could have played my whole career with, with Big Brother. I'll see you at the top. I think that was the the gist of it. And Lamar responded to that. So the WTF tweet was not him responding to the trade. He knew about the trade unless he read that tweet and didn't know what the fuck Hollywood was talking about, which I can't imagine was the case. It was pretty clear. So he's not responding to the fact he's just figuring out that there's a trade that happened. He, I think he's responding more to what you're saying is that video of, Hollywood is already in Arizona. Hollywood already knew it was happening. So I think when Lamar saw that tweet, he thought, you know, I don't know whether Hollywood's in Florida or in Baltimore or wherever. The, I don't know where the fuck he lives in the offseason. But uh, he, I don't think – I think he was caught off guard by the fact that, that uh, Hollywood was in on this from the beginning and maybe learning that Hollywood was the one who asked for the trade. Because I, I, I know in the offseason, Lamar has been defending, saying, I don't want him traded. And he's the one asking for a trade. He, there's no way he was communicating that to Lamar based on that that tweet. That's what I think. And exactly. it was not about Linderbaum because he liked a tweet about Linderbaum being drafted. I think the WTF was I had no fucking idea this rat midget fuck wanted out of here this badly and right. had this you know, orchestrated behind the scenes days in advance. Again, the GM said that him and Tacosta have been talking for like a week and that you know it came together a couple days ago and they decided to officially pull the trigger tonight. But right. again. Vegas to Phoenix is what, like an eight-hour drive or something like that. Uh, it's it's not a short drive, and no. he said that he drove Hollywood and his girlfriend down there, so they knew well right. before the draft that was going to happen. So I don't know exactly the time frame on this. It was several months ago. It was either January, February. It, it was a long time ago. I tweeted out that the problem in Baltimore with Lamar on the side of the front office is not with Lamar. It's with Lamar's alignment with certain players and the way that those players were influencing Lamar's behavior because Lamar is a leader. I think Lamar considers himself uh, to be a leader of people by being on their side, as opposed to being someone who keeps them in line. And he was being influenced by the guy who's not here anymore. The guy who was showing up late, who was uh, kind of pushing back against the front office, who wasn't being a team player, who was more about his targets and his catches and his touchdowns than he was about wins and losses. So um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think this is going to be good for Lamar to get, an, uh, you know, 
I don't, I don't know if it's a bad influence or a, a neutral influence. Whatever it is, it's an influence on Lamar where he felt he needed to stick up for someone who was on the wrong side of the front office. And rightfully so. Hollywood Brown is a guy with a huge upside. When he plays well, he's great. But when he plays average, he's bad. Like he's like a home run hitter. So he's like, he's like Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn's a guy who would strike out 200 times a year, but he'd hit 40 home runs. That's, that's Hollywood Brown. He's a guy who he's either going to hit a home run or he's going to fucking strike out. And in football that doesn't fucking play. I mean, I specifically remember, and there's a lost episode of zone 32 where I went fucking absolutely apeshit on Tony Lombardi um, over that Kodak black article that he wrote. And I specifically remember texting with you before, and I, I was fucking actually, like, kind of mad about that. Like, that whole thing threw me off where, you know, they were talking about, he was talking about the front office is mad at people influencing Lamar, and he pointed at Kodak Black, and you and I had talked beforehand, and, you know, we were talking about Hollywood Brown being the issue, and Hollywood was the right. one that was making him late, and, you know, Hollywood's the one clinging on to him and dragging him down, and you, you were 100% correct. Like, that's very clear that that's what happened, is that, Lamar had, you know, his guys back because that was his wide receiver one for a couple of years. And, you know, he, he backed him, wanted him to get paid, wanted him to be happy here. And Hollywood just wasn't that guy. And there's really no other way to explain it. He just was not a wide receiver one. He demands a wide receiver one target share and does not produce at a wide receiver one level consistently. And he wants a wide receiver one salary. And, you know, that's fine for him. And again, he shares an agent with all the same guys, all the wide receivers who have been moving around this offseason and who have been doing this exact same fucking thing. To his credit, he didn't do this publicly. So I do, I do give him a little bit of credit for that, where he wasn't one of those guys who put the shit out, you know, out on Twitter. I mean, I guess to a degree he did with his like blackout thing, but he never put at any comments out there. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think that your fake rumor about the fucking Twitch uh, streaming shit it almost like derailed that angle because once you did that, it, 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 it got enough attention from mainstream and from enough people where they were like, we can't do this. Like, uh, you know, this holdout demanding, sh- especially when an EDC, you, I want you on this podcast. To, to I was just going to interrupt you and say that I EDC EDC got EDC. out ahead of this. And he said, I'm going to, he said without any reason to do it, at this point, he said, I'm going to give him the fifth-year option because he knew it's a $13 million option because Hollywood didn't hit any of those, those escalators. So he basically told him, yeah, if you're here now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that, that fifth-year option. It's going to be a $13 million contract, and it's going to be a fucking steal. He told him that to his face. I'm going to pay you $13 bucks, and you're going to like it, and it's going to be so much cheaper than everybody else, and you can't do anything about it. So what do you, what do you want now? And he ended up getting a fucking first-round pick out of it. And not just a first-round pick, he flipped it into more picks. So he got the 23rd overall pick for him. He picked him at 25, and then he flipped that 23rd overall pick for 25, and I, I think he got a fourth-round pick back with that. Either a fourth or a third, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, so, I mean it was yeah. a steal. It's what, another what, fourth. There's yeah. six, we, have, we now have six fourth-round picks. And in anybody who thinks we're picking six times in the fourth round is out of their mind. We are going to be back in the second round tomorrow. We're going to get – tomorrow – so – Jake, just prepare yourself. We're going to record another podcast tomorrow because we're going to tomorrow. We're probably going to pick four times. Oh, for sure. No, no question. Yeah. So my my Will and I were talking about this before you got on. What I'm wondering is, do they use those you know uh, six fourth round picks to move into the second, and you take like a George Pickens and then take a pass rusher in the second round, or are we going to flip some of those fourths and maybe a second round pick for like a Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel kind of guy? 
I, I don't I don't have any kind of, you know, source on that or anything like that. But I, I just wonder, is the move to go with an established wide receiver? Or are you going to go with, you know, George Pickens and maybe sign a Jarvis Landry, sign a Julio Jones, you know, something like that? I think, where, I think that's the move. I think we, we're going to take somebody like Pickens. We're going to get a Pickens and we're going to get somebody like McCreary. And yep. we're going to sign somebody like Julio Jones, who then Julio Jones at that point, he's well suited to the wide receiver group we have where he's going to be, he's going to get his snaps. He's going to get his targets, but he's not going to have to be Julio Jones five years ago. He's going well, to be Julio able to play even be Julio Jones five years ago anymore. No, no, no chance. He wants to be because he knows if he runs too many routes in a game, he's going to come up with a hammy and he's going to be out for another three games. So Julio Jones would benefit from this. He wants to go to a team where he can have a, you know, like a bit role, but when he's on the field, he's still effective. So I don't, and I'm not like I'm not saying Julio Jones is the guy we're going to get. It would be great if we got him because you know Julio, uh, Julio Jones in the right role is. I, let's compare to AJ Green. I think they're probably comparable players at this point. I take Julio Jones yeah. every fucking day of the week over AJ Green, and I would still take AJ Green, but yeah. he's already signed. So you know, a big veteran receiver like that is somebody we need. So if we can go get George Pickens, who most people that I've talked to anyway, think George Pickens is, uh, you know, if not the best at, near the top of the, the wide receiver group being drafted, except for the fact that he has some question marks with his personality. Uh, and those I never really, you know, again, you read all these things about these guys have red flags personality wise. You and I were talking about Jermaine Johnson. I, I've read that he had gang ties. I've read that he's got some. That's not a personality of, issue. That, those, yeah. I mean, that, those are that's legitimate. But I'm but, saying, and I don't know, know, I don't know how how real those are. But, but so yeah. they they explain those away as personality issues. And so, like you just said, you know, uh, gang ties are a lot more serious than George Pickens is just kind of an asshole who likes to fight people. You know what I mean? Like that's very different to me. And you put that can George get Pickens fixed when you get to the NFL too, because when you're in the in when you're in college and you know you're the the big swinging dick at the cracker factory, uh, it's a lot different when you walk into an NFL locker room and 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 there's much big bigger swinging dicks around there. So yeah, you can I, I don't worry about it as much. You know, you yeah. you can you can coach the asshole out of somebody. You can't coach you know blood affiliations out of somebody. Right. To me, Pickens. No, if we go get Pickens, Pickens is. Hollywood, he can do everything Hollywood can do, but he's bigger, faster, stronger, has better hands. He is a better version of Hollywood, and I would take him every day of the week. You know, whether it's we took him, if we take him with value, or we took him where we traded out of the, if we took him at twenty three, I would have been honestly because we're just replacing Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, I thought there was a shot that we were going to take him at twenty three or twenty five, and I would have been fine with that. Right. It's, again, you know, Lamar needs weapons. But Lamar needs guys who are going to be reliable. That's that's really the thing is that, you know, you can go sh- sign Deshaun Jackson if you want, that Hollywood Brown production. Like Deshaun Jackson is out there, and you can do the exact same thing of he's going to be your home run threat. He's going to catch three balls one game for two touchdowns and 150 yards, and he's not going to show up for another two. And, like, we can go get that production elsewhere. We don't need Hollywood Brown for that. But if you draft a George Pickens and it's, you know, third and seven and he runs a seven-yard route, he's going to get you that first down. I don't trust Hollywood. So No. Right. That's really all it boils down to for me. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like we're, we get great value. I mean, we lose nothing out of trading Hollywood, except, I mean, I guess the potential that Lamar is miffed a little bit about it, but I think he'll get over it. I mean, he's professional. So, like, you're going to, guys are going to come and go. But I, I really think we're not losing anything from a value standpoint in terms of we drafted him at 25 and we got 
the 25th pick back. So like we've literally lost nothing. We got everything we got out of him for those three years and we got the exact same pick back. Well, not even, we got a better pick that we traded for the, the same pick that we got him for plus more picks. So we got more out of him than we, we invested in him. So, you know, anybody who's mad about that and I'm looking at you, yeah, I know you're not awake right now. You drunk fucking elephant sleeve bitch. I know you're out. Yeah. You're not asleep. You're passed out. You're fucking barely a, barely alive at this point. You're an idiot. We got everything back that we invested in him and more. You fucking idiot. But see, guys like Ian are the people who, you know, it doesn't matter what the Ravens do. They're always going to look for a reason, an angle to be mad at. Because that's his that's his shtick is that he's going to be blackout drunk. He drinks, a, you know, a fifth of Jack, gets on Twitter and tweets a bunch of dumb shit. And then backs off at the next morning. So tomorrow morning he's going to be tweeting about how great Kyle Hamilton is, and that you know Linderbaum is a steal at twenty five. I had because- several people, several people DM me after I posted that tweet and say, "I can't believe I ever defended this guy to you. You're one hundred percent right." You and I are not wrong on pretty much anybody we've ever gone after. And I'm not um, talking about defending a player, defending Ian. Oh. People have come at yeah. because I have gone at him so many times, and I only ever go at him when he says stupid shit, like when he wished death upon DMX when he was dying in the hospital. But fucking drug addicts I, die. Yeah, I'm not talking about going at players. I go at Ian when he says stupid ass shit, and people have come at me and said, "Lay off Ian," and I say, "Go fuck yourself." No, I'm not going to lay off him because he he it, he comes up with this bullshit out of thin air when he's drunk as shit. None of it makes sense. It's always just to get a rise out of people. He doesn't even fucking – he can't defend it. The next day, he just never fucking acknowledges he said it. Like yeah, he, or he acknowledges that he was fucking plastered and that's, you know, oh, I was drunk, just, fuck with people, ha-ha, rent-free. It's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah exactly, right. Ugh, idiot. And maybe he'll, he, and he got murdered on, on the timeline tonight. Yeah, he, 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 I, I didn't even bother searching for him talking about the offensive line. I guarantee you – I could just pull offensive line quotes from him from the last two years, uh, even like specifically center quotes about bad snaps and everything, mm-hmm. and make it even worse. But I'm not even going to do that. I don't have to. It was just I one. Promise, I promise was you one. that when our fans were all over drafting a corner or all over drafting a pass rusher, he was on Twitter saying that, why wouldn't we draft an offensive lineman? We need offensive line. Because right. that's what he does is that he looks at what the popular opinion of Ravens fans is, tweets the opposite, and thinks that he's fucking funny. Well, Again. we know who he tends to align with, and I know that person Love uh, he, is you know, all over guy. us needing secondary help and offensive line help. And we just got it in the first round, and we and we made moves to get it. And we had some fortune fall our way. No one I, – I, the only reason I never said a word about us getting Kyle Hamilton is because I never thought it was fucking possible that he would fall to 14 without us having to do something to, to get there for him. I believe I mean, on the one that we were talking about, our you know dream draft picks, the one that Jabo had just torn his uh, Achilles like that day when we yeah. recorded it. You and I both mentioned Hamilton and said like that's a pipe dream pick because I don't think he's going to be there at fourteen. Right. It's just I never even considered it that he would fall no. to fourteen because it was like you know it, this like you were saying earlier like it was like the the forty the forty time and everyone was like oh he's falling like I thought he would fall from like three to eight or something like there's yeah. no chance he's falling to fucking fourteen. So I actually. Research myself because I knew that I liked Hamilton and I was curious if I had said anything about him. And I was talking about trading up for the Giants' second pick, that seventh overall pick, saying, you know, if Hamilton's there at seven, we should move up and grab him because he's what we need. And, you know, again, we didn't even have to do that. Like he was there at 14, which is fucking wild. I mean, yeah. he is a he is an immediate difference maker in our secondary, especially in the division that we play in with, you know, the um, 
with the Bengals with their, you know, wide receiver core. And now the Browns went out and got Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper. And, you know, I, Steelers with Kenny Pickett, I'm sure they're going to try to fucking throw the ball a thousand times a game because that's what they do. He's not going to start. He's not even going to uh, start. I don't know. So do you think that – I think he takes Mitch's job. All right, that's, that's just I my – I think Mitch will hold on. So, so uh, either way, Mitch is the starter. 100%. I mean, they, they gave him a $27 million contract. So he's starting for sure. Not for one year. For It's a two-year deal, $27 million. So I think – and I'm pretty sure – most of it's guaranteed. That's not that's not expensive, but it's still a decent amount of money invested in the quarterback position. They have fucking five quarterbacks in their roster right now. So they have Mitch, they have Pickett, they have Mason Rudolph. Who else do they have? Well, Pat Haskins, obviously, and then you know I spoke out of turn because they did one of them. Yeah, so Haskins died. So that's sad. Um, yeah. They had Dobbs. Dobbs did Dobbs I go to Cleveland? Didn't he? Oh no, he did. You're right. He did go to Cleveland. Yeah. That's so, right. Okay, so. This is a couple of weeks ago. They had they already had four. So this is why I, five is in my head because I was thinking they have four fucking quarterbacks on their roster. They're going to draft one in the first round. What is going on in Pittsburgh? They have five quarterbacks on their roster. So okay, they have three. That's reasonable. But they still have a decent amount of money invested in Mitch. He's going to be the starter to start the year. Maybe there's even going to be a fucking competition between him and Mason Rudolph. I think Rudolph is on a really cheap deal, like two million bucks or something like that. Rudolph so like they don't have a lot, they don't have a ton of money invested in the position, but they signed Mitch to be the starter. He's going to start, and that's probably good for Pickett. But I, I've never ever seen Pickett as a first round pick. I'm shocked that they they the only one. I'm, why would they take like there was no run on quarterbacks? No one else was taking him. They could have waited and taken him tomorrow. I don't think anybody. They could have traded up tomorrow if they wanted to. I think it was kind of a stupid pick. I they could have done, they could, they could have addressed about, something else. I think what they were worried about is that Pickett was their guy for whatever reason. That's who they you know. I still don't know up. why. Yeah, They're I, like, I don't oh, know he why played, he oh, he like, played in the stadium. He must be good. What? Yeah, I think the whole thing with him is that they would rather take him early and get him. Then have to gamble and hope that he falls and hope that when they trade up to you know thirty seven overall or wherever they're going to take him that he was going to be there. And I think that's not- such a stupid strategy on a quarterback on a quarterback like that. It's not like we're in a draft and they're in a position where they're drafting a guy who's like the sought after guy. I, don't, I mean, like if somebody else took him, I think it would have been like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll take it. I we, mean, we, still there, Corral still right. there. Carson Strong is still there. Like there are still There's going to be a run on quarterbacks in the second round. Tomorrow's going to be a big quarterback day. I yep. think they could have made moves. I think they could have done something else to get him day two and addressed a different position and gotten a better player at 20 or traded 20 and gotten a bunch more picks. They could have traded 20 and gotten to the early second round and taken Pickett there. I don't know. It's I don't know. To me, it, it makes no sense. Pickett is not a guy where – He's not a 20th pick in the draft guy to me. But see, I, I like the fact that only Pickett's off the board now because, you know, we're sitting at 45 right now with the six fourth-round picks, like we said. You know, before I would have said that we would have had to move up into the early, you know, late 30s to get, you know, whether it's Pickens, Travis Jones, I don't know, who, whatever guy, or Devontae Wyatt, whoever we're, um, you know, whoever we're coveting there. Like, you know, maybe we only have to move up to 50 to get a, a second guy that we're really looking for because there is going to be a run on quarterbacks. You know, teams are going to move up and take Strong and take Corral and take, you know, Malik Willis, and that takes guys off the board. Or, you know, that puts picks in front of us. Andrew Booth is another one that I'm thinking about here that, like, you know, we might want who might fall to, you know, 47, 48, 49, 50, somewhere in that range where that lowers the price for us to move up, and we definitely have the ammo to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, we could flip 45 and one of our fours or two of our fours get into the 30s and then get back into the 40s. Yeah. You know, like we could flip 45 and get like 49, 50 and like a mid to late 30s pick and get two guys like Pickens and McCreary or Pickens and um, who did you say? Uh, Mafe. A, a pass rusher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, we, we haven't, we haven't, so we haven't even touched edge, and we obviously need to do that. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like we, we are in such a great position. I know. So I would say the Jets and the Giants are ahead of us in terms of what they did in the first round, but like they could not, they couldn't go wrong. They had such it's great hard picks. To beat the Jets because they had yeah. three first round picks. You know, you're you're not, and right. they, they made three correct picks in the first round too. It's but like aside they, from those two teams who were fucking loaded in the yeah. first round. We did better than everybody else, and that like the Eagles had two picks. Yeah, or, I mean they traded out, yeah. but like we the still Eagles beat them. had a pretty solid day too with getting AJ Brown. But it's still, you know, again we're we're in very good shape for tomorrow. I think that remains to be seen. Like you know, AJ Brown, I would have loved it if we had drafted him over Marquise Brown a few mm. years ago. However, now trading the 18th pick and paying a hundred million dollars, 57 guaranteed for that guy yeah. who is injured every single year for a handful of games. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, if he, if he doesn't get hurt, he's, I mean, that's a great, great deal for them. But if he is the same guy he's been, he's good when he's playing, but he's missing time. So I think the Titans at this point, you got to say the Titans did a really good job of flipping uh, AJ Brown into some, some great assets on their end. And like Traylon Burks and, AJ Brown are very comparable players, except for the fact that Traylon Burks is faster. He's bigger. Uh, as far as I know, he has zero injury concern. So you may be getting the same player with the upside of not being injury prone and not needing a hundred million dollars. And and yep. right, not needing a hundred million dollars. Not just that, but you have five years of salary control on the guy. So like, it's a pretty good. That's a pretty good trade to me. If I'm them, I think that's that's pretty good. So the Titans, Titans did well. I'd say the Titans are right behind us. So, like, I'd say yeah. it's the Jets and Giants are neck and neck at one, then us, then the Titans. And then I don't even know who's behind. Like, I didn't yeah, pay that close of attention. Twice in the top ten, which we can't exactly. compete. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, so, I mean, that's not even – It was a it's, given. It's correct. They they had better drafts than us, but they – you know, again, we can't compete with that. That's not a – If nah. they didn't, then they, then it would be a big problem for them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Giants did great with uh, Thibodeau and Neal, like the, those. Yes. Are picks. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, obviously our our goal, I think the only way we could have done better is somehow we got Thibodeau. But the fact that he went five to the Giants on our first pick, there was no way we were ever getting. They weren't yeah, going to trade us my, any pick that. With me today, with the whole, you know, if uh, Thibodeau's there at seven, like you guys are gonna, you guys have a deal in the bag, and they went five, like yeah. right. I, again, I don't think today could have gone much better for the Ravens than it did. No couldn't yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. we could have done yeah, to make it go differently yeah and and it was fortune that that led to us getting hamilton but then beyond that edc what a fucking masterclass oh my god yeah again i mean not enough will be said for me of the amount of shit that i've given that guy over the years but he has um he shut me up pretty well so i'm good with that i mean that's 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 a solid move on his end like he he really you know, again, I, I've gotten all, all over him for not being aggressive, and I think getting rid of a malcontent and getting legitimate draft capital back that used to better your team is all that you can ask for. Average. What he did today was almost like he was—he has like a burner on Twitter, and he like took into account every fucking corner of Ravens Twitter and was like, "Okay, you guys, you want 
the guy who is probably uh, like talent wise, arguably the best player in the draft. Kyle yeah. Hamilton, talent wise, is up there. It's just a matter of like what what team needs are. So Kyle Hamilton could have been on anybody's board the most talented player on this draft. We got him at fourteen. Great. So that satisfies a lot of people. Uh, then you have the people who hate Hollywood Brown, which is a lot of people, a lot of outspoken people. All right, I'm going to get rid of him. And not just that, I'm going to get back a first-round pick that is better than the fucking pick we used to get him in the first place. I mean, unbelievable. And then he goes and he satisfies the nerds, the offensive line nerds like Cole and, and took Linderbaum. Cole is not a Linderbaum guy. <laughs> but no, he wasn't. No, he, okay, he corrected that. He said he's not a Linderbaum guy at 14. The fact that we got Linderbaum at 25 is a whole different story because it's, it's addressing a need – it's a it's a grinder. It's a guy who's going to be here, and he's going to. I mean, like Linderbaum is the starting center. Period. It's yeah. not even a question today. No, so we I mean, drafted two starting players today, and we got rid of a guy who was going to be a problem, who has been a problem, really. Like he's caused problems that people don't want to even acknowledge. So what EDC did today was like, I mean, for everything that people, all the shit people give him for not like they, he doesn't listen to the the fans as if he should it's not his fucking job to listen to the fans no, but mean, what I he did today it satisfied but... so many so many people oh my god so many people are going to bed tonight just punching their pillows fucking he, see, he did point, it he's gonna have to sit down and look at the the way that he played the hollywood brown situation of again like you said saying that i'm gonna pick up the fifth year option for 13 million dollars that sends a message to hollywood brown that we're not gonna fucking pay you this year and yeah. forced Hollywood Brown's hand into wanting a trade, obviously. Right. And then getting more value back from him than you used to take him. It's just, that's... that's so this genius. is where, and and you have to admit, I've told you this the whole time. We can't, we could not form a full opinion on EDC because it was, it, he hadn't been in full control for long enough for us to, to have that opinion. So now we've seen what he's been able to do. So like, okay, well, so... You look at the 2019 draft, I mean, the only guy left from 2019 is, uh, you know, Sack Daddy, who has one career sack, so... I get that. I mean, listen, there's the going to be... There's go, there's no there are around. going to be drafts that are ugly over time, and there's plenty on Ozzy's record as well, who we all hold yeah. in, in high regard. But so Ozzie went out the, fact on top. That, the fact that EDC was willing to admit, basically, okay, I got to get rid of this guy... When he didn't really like, he didn't need to. He could, like, again, he could have held on to him and gotten him and kept him for cheap for no, for another year. But what what would be the point of that? You know. Well, see, so like, my thing is that EDC publicly has always said things that lead me to believe that he was not willing to move on from Hollywood Brown. That he was not willing to admit his mistake with drafting Hollywood Brown. But then his actions don't say that. So I'm good with it. I'd much rather him have the. That's team. even better. We're happy with our guys, and then turn around and fucking deal right. with Mitch in fucking Arizona. Like exactly. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I'd much rather look like an asshole for slandering the guy, and have him actually make the right moves than him say the right things that make me happy and not do the right move. Right. He's playing chess over there. He's doing a good job. And, and I also just, wonder the fact that we've passed on, you know, specifically Jermaine Johnson, who's kind of and Grant was a huge Jermaine Johnson fan. Huge. But, he was his. I think he was his number one edge rusher. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you know he's an edge setter. And there's a guy on the market, Jadavian Clowney, who does a lot of the same things that Jermaine Johnson does. And so maybe he's got a backroom deal with Jadavian Clowney that he's like, hey, after the draft, you know, come sign here. And maybe that move gets made too. You know, now the fact that EDC has made these moves, I'm more willing to trust him, I guess is my point, is that I'm, I'm more willing to, you know, give him the time and let everything kind of play out before I'm going to sit here and slander him again. 
Yeah, so I think that the the misconception that a lot of people have had about EDC is that he's been like a, it's like a, it's uh, in a vacuum type of thing where it's like every move is like, oh, this didn't work. I'm going to go do this. Where EDC, I think, is much more calculated and, and there's a bigger plan. And it doesn't always, we can't always see the big plan when he's doing it. But what he did with Hollywood Brown, my God, what a, what a fucking master. Oh my God. The way that he made that play out and it would have played out like, I think it was, wasn't one of those things where he did it knowing how it was going to end. It was, he, it was open-ended for him. He, he set the tone there where he basically told Hollywood like, all right, pal, you're not in control here. You can make your fucking Twitter avatar just like a, you know, a, a blank thing. You can, uh, remove Baltimore Ravens from your social media. You can go play video games. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I got your fucking rights. So no matter what you want, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want with you. So you tell me what you want to do, and then I'll see what I can make happen. And we'll see if we can make it mutual beneficial. And I think it did work out well for both. So I think that that there's probably no hard feelings on both ends. So that's good. I think there's a lot of hard feelings on one end, and I don't think it's easy. Because I, I, again, you you look at Hollywood is out here liking Raimi's tweet of, you know, um, Hollywood finally escaped Greg Roman. And, you know, he's been pulling this petty shit for fucking years. I think he's fucking mad. And I think that he thinks he's better than he actually is. And that's fine. You know, whatever. Like, go prove yourself in fucking Arizona. I hope you get 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. It's not going to fucking happen. You know, you're going to be wide receiver two there with your fucking midget friend, you know, Kyler. Irving. It's a perfect place for him yeah. with um, Kyler because Kyler is a first-half guy. So it's like they can both go off in the first half and then disappear in the second. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, again, have all the fucking fun in the world you want in Arizona. Go make $30 million a year in Arizona and get the fuck off my team. Go live in a 55 and up community, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go have fun in your fucking desert out there, you fucking punk midget fuck. Hopefully a Smurf Village has some fucking room for you and you can, you know, fuck off and live there for your fucking point. Go hustle, shuffleboard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've never been, like, I was thrilled that we got fucking Hamilton. Again, like you and I were talking about, like there's, I, I thought that there was zero chance that he was ever going to fall to us. I was tell me really, a second, a secondary that comes anywhere close. No, I mean Peters, Marlin, None. fucking Hamilton, and Williams is just that's unreal. Those four guys are going to fucking lock down half the league. Like there's just no way that people are going to throw on us like last year. Even then, you get to the role players, and it's like yeah. you know Chuck Clark being a role player. Chuck Clark could start on a lot of teams. I, for us, you know. He, I'm glad he's not our starting strong safety anymore, but I'm also I'm I'm not mad that he's on our team. Well, he's got a lot of experience. Not anymore. That that was the issue with Chuck Clark is that Chuck Clark is an average safety. He's uh you know there's 64 starting safeties in the NFL, and he's somewhere in that 32 to 40 range if you were to rank safeties from top to bottom, and that's fine. I'd say he might even be 40 to 50, but whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, but, you know, again, then you add the green dot to him, and now he's a negative on our team. He's misaligning the defense all the time. He's blowing coverages. You take that fucking responsibility away from him. You give it to somebody else, and now Chuck Clark steps in, and he's that role guy. You you can't beat that. Yeah. And, again, you've got somebody like Brandon Stevens who, if you look at Mike McDonald and the way that he uses safeties and corners, like Brandon Stevens steps right into that role of that hybrid slot corner safety guy, and, you know, maybe he'll play some nickel linebacker, dime linebacker, whatever, whatever the fuck he's going to play. Like, he'll let his athleticism show. And the great thing with Mike McDonald, too, is that he is not really uh, a man blitz guy. So you're not going to be manning up Brandon Stevens a lot. You're going to have him in a lot of zone. You're going to have him playing a lot of, you know, soft coverage against a running back or a, a tight end. And I think he's going to flourish this. Agreed. 
Yeah, I think our personnel, like, I mean, I think EDC, his, the fact that he's been in the building for so long, he, he does so well working with the coaches and the coordinators to understand the personnel needs. It's way different than a lot of teams where that's why we do so, do so well in these drafts is our front office works so well with our coaching staff. And the fact that like people who want to complain about Harbaugh being around too, too long. Oh, we, we haven't won the Super Bowl since man. When's the last time most teams won this fucking Super Bowl? My problem with the Harbaugh slander will always be that, you know, who are you going to replace him with? Because right. yeah, Harbaugh has his flaws. But you really there's there's nobody out on the market. If you hire uh, an unproven college coach, you're hoping that he does what Harbaugh did. You know what I mean? You're, you're hoping to get a equal. People replace. had the same reaction when we hired Harbaugh. They were like, "Oh, he's the only thing he's ever done has been a special teams coach in Philly." And then what happened? I mean, it didn't take long. I think it was his, no, it was first, his first year. We were yeah, we were we took yeah. and went to the championship. Yeah, so yep. you know. I don't know. This whole idea of, oh, he, it, like we're living on that Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, name how many fucking coaches, active coaches, have been in the fucking Super Bowl and won it? But see, the problem is, ain't a whole lot. Is so, if you look at Harbaugh's first, I think it was his first in, until the Super Bowl. So it was 08 until he won the Super Bowl. I mean, he is like an elite all time head coach in those first couple of years. And then he's kind of trailed off a little bit. And then people compare him to Andy Reid, who sucked. Or not sucked, but did what Harbaugh does now. And then the last four or five years has been great since he got to Kansas City. And so it's like, yeah, you know, it's a what have you done for me lately league, and that's fine. But if you're looking at Harbaugh's whole career, like, there's really not any better options for here. No, right, exactly. That's the truth, you know. I love the, the, the flexibility that we have now. I love the way the roster's coming together now. I am a lot more confident going into next year after tonight than I was before tonight. Right. Yep. Yeah. I feel, I feel confident and it's not the same way I felt last year where it was like, I feel confident because I'm like, yeah, it's gotta be better than it was last year. Well, like, I just felt that like, year. it's not that like blind optimism. It's okay. Yeah. I'm optimistic because we have clearly upgraded our team. Yeah. Clearly we've addressed all the, the reasons that our team was not doing well last year. Obviously there, a lot of that was injuries and we're getting a ton of those guys back. And it was like, it's not even like, uh, role players it was like uh, you know we had starting players all pro players hurt the fact that we did not draft an offensive tackle in the first round tells you this news we got on ronnie stanley is legitimately good news it's not like they're like oh yeah we're optimistic he's gonna be ready there's no reason to expect him not to be there game one at full strength because I mean, if there was a reason my penning restart that's that's where i started with my penning bullshit is people were freaking out about you know, the Ravens are uh, – Jeff Zreback tweeted something about Ravens loving Trevor Penning, and then everybody lost their fucking mind. And I'm like, well, if the Ravens take Trevor Penning in the first round, it's because they don't think Ronnie Stanley is going to be ready. Right. And yep. didn't take Totally agree. They, they must feel like Ronnie's going to be ready. And I don't think it's going to be like last year where they thought Ronnie was going to be ready and got caught with their pants down with fucking Jawan James and Alejandro Villanueva as their two backup options. Well, so I, I made this point in our – you know, our little Slack group we have, but um, the fact that Juwan James is still on the team is a huge, I mean, like people are overlooking this. Juwan James is on the team. He is going to play. Well, he's going to be available anyway. The guy's got a Jersey issued to him. It's not like we're talking about Juwan James. We're we're paying him his $2.5 million salary. Last year, I think it cost us 250 grand or something stupid like that. It was like, maybe he's available at the end of the year. If we ended up in in the playoffs, whatever. We okay. Juwan James is a an actual member of our team. He's part of our offensive line depth. He is a 
proven right tackle, right? He played right tackle. Yeah, he played yeah. both. Actually. He played some yeah. left tackle too. So we have we have Moses and Juwan James, who are both. I think Juwan James is a Pro Bowler. I don't know that Moses has made a Pro Bowl or not, but he's been a very durable right tackle. We have depth at a position where we have been so shallow for the past two years, and it's that has been the number one issue. I know last year it was like it was the beginning was you know the reason we lost the Raiders game was because the the tackles were playing so poorly. But then beyond that, you know, it just like it devolved from there, and then it was like the tackling and the secondary and blah blah blah. So. We had so many starters out last year. We're getting all those starters back. We've added to it. We've now drafted starters. Uh, this team is going to be so much better than it was, not just last year. It's going to be better than it was the year before that. It's going to be on par or better than it was the year before that when we were the number one seed, 14-2 and two team with a unanimous MVP. I mean, like, what more do you want? Uh, I mean, like, I think we're still – and happy. we still have six more rounds of this draft plus – we still have a few more runs of free agency with a, a bunch of really good free agents out there. We're going to be a really good team on question marks, which is really right. What exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not like, well, this, this could work. Like we're not signing Alejandro Nueva. This yeah. There, there's no Alejandro Villanueva signing because even if you put Morgan Moses on that same tier as Alejandro Villanueva, like you said, we now have Juwan. Who would James do that himself. though? They're not no, even, I'm saying, I'm saying that you're not, you know, last year we went into the year assuming that Ronnie Stanley was going to be healthy and play all year, and our offensive line was kind of, you know, dependent on that. If yeah, Ronnie yeah. Stanley can't play this year, we still have other options. Right, and, I and, think that's, that that's and there's no reason to think that that's the case. I mean, No, you know, but even if, if, you know, worst-case doomsday scenario and Ronnie Stanley plays another week and then can't go again, like there's, there's other options. We didn't have those options last year. Yeah, to me, it's the difference is this year, Ronnie Stanley's going to play. We have a lot of depth at tackle. All those guys who were filling in at tackle who are actually interior linemen are available now to play on the interior line. We have like we have a, a, a wealth of depth across the offensive line. So when we do have someone get hurt, which will happen, always happens on every offensive line, we have guys who can step up. We don't have to rely on a guy sliding from left guard to right tackle. We don't have to rely on uh, you know this revolving door at center. It, it like the offensive line is not a, to me. It's not a concern. We have so much depth there. Whereas the past two years, it's been that that's been like the number one reason that that things have gone downhill. So like last year, we couldn't run the ball, even though we still put up decent numbers. We st- we couldn't run the ball. Yeah. So now we can go back to doing what we do best, which is going to then lead to us being able to throw the ball better because we have better receivers. We're going to have a healthy Lamar Jackson. We're going to have a defense that I think with the new scheme is going to work better because we have personnel that fits it better. It, it, this is going to be a completely different team. It's going to be, last year was, a, you know, the first half of the year was fun because we were winning these fucking wild-ass games, but it was also made me want to kill myself because every game was coming down to the last three seconds. I think we're going to be looking at a, a team that could look much more like 2019 than 2020 or 2021. And, and even and, if you know, want to call 2019 a fluke, you know, 14 and two was a crazy year, and it wasn't like we were winning a ton of close games, and we were really just, you know, murdering teams. Right. I, you know, even if we go, I don't know what, 12 and five this year, and make the playoffs, like you're much better set for the playoffs. Everybody's healthy. Right. Now we we are built to win. And yeah, you go back to 2019. We won all those games. We were killing people. We got to the playoffs, and we had that fucking dud. Yeah. We're going to be built to overcome all the issues that 
led to us looking like shit in the playoffs. So I think that, you know, like it's a You're combination no of things. Solely relying on Lamar Jackson being a superhero to win games. Right. And that's right. Really exactly. Important. But he still can. So it's like, yeah. we still have, we have all that. Plus we still have a superhero. So I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, you, tonight you gives us such a back plan of somebody, if Lamar has a bad day and I don't yep. think we've had that before. Right. Agreed. That's a fact. So yeah, I'll get into it. Just a hair. As far as the Linderbaum pick is concerned. I mean, the notion of, Drafting Iowa offensive linemen, yeah, I'd say that rings true as well. I mean, Tristan Wirfs, beyond obviously, Brian Bulago is a longtime starter in the league. If you're going to take an offensive lineman, if you're going to take one early, it's a good idea to take take someone from Iowa. So there's that. Obviously, you guys hit the Kyle Hamilton points, so I don't need to get into that. Um, fuck Marquise Brown. Thanks Amen. for thanks for the like that little thanks for that little bit, and thanks for netting us a better first round pick than what you were. And then we got to upgrade our offensive line. So no complaints from there. And let's, let's see what day two has to offer. Let's see what Grant has to say tomorrow. If, of course, he'll be back. Because Jermaine Johnson's a jet. So That's right. The J-E-T-S jest shit. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. We will be back tomorrow to recap day two and day three. But in the meantime, I'm going to make a noise and maybe not clip Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Zone, Zone 32.